great-grandfather worked for like a factory that was important for the wartime industry. So they were evacuated to central Russia because mm-hmm. you can't have your, you know, your wartime industries wiped out. But everyone else who was not evacuated in the village a couple of weeks later, they were all shot in pits. You know, like th- this is like like everyone, you know, w- yeah. was killed in the shuttle because they were Jewish. So this is like this is not a long time ago. Yeah. This is really not a long time ago. Yeah. So and in the city where my father was born 20 years before he was born, all the Jews were killed. So this is like very visceral and yes. very real. Yes. And it's so when when the we're tricked into having these abstract, you know, philosophical, what does free speech mean discussions when I'm like, I don't want to die. You know, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. want to be shot in a pit. Yeah. That's my goal. That, yes. you know, so it's kind of like about bringing it back to put that kind of, yes. you know, really the urgency. Yes, exactly. So I think that that's something that's really important is, uh, and, and my, 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 uh, my thing that I see as a Soviet immigrant, uh, you know, with Americans generally, I feel like a lot of Americans, uh, because of American exceptionalism, we try to go toward that abstraction, that that philosophical. Let's have a philosophical debate about this mm-hmm. instead of like that really visceral, lived reality yes. of like what are we talking about? Yes. Like what yes. are we actually talking about? What does this mean on a on on this kind of like survival level? Yeah. So I I think that's kind of like a key thing. So uh, as part of so part of it was like me quitting, and I the other thing that I see so. So one is like the insti- the way that the you know the nonprofit institutions could do better, and the other thing is the way that our tech institutions can do better. Hell Be- yeah! You know because like the thing is this isn't happening just like randomly. This yes. is happening on like very specific for profit platforms. Yep. Yes. That have you know big legal departments and big policy departments and like have to be making decisions. You know, mm-hmm. and so like like for like and they make lots of decisions every day. Yes. Like, I can't post a topless picture on most of the most of those platforms. Someone made that decision. Yep. You know, what Some, a, for better or worse. And I wonder who, yes. you know, but what, regardless, yeah. for, regardless, it doesn't, yes. I don't even yeah. care. I don't even care that much about, about that for better or worse. Someone made that decision. But on the other hand, they refuse to make other decisions. So, uh, my, my recent side, another side project that I have been doing is, uh, I discovered that there is a group on fa- or a page on Facebook called Jewish Ritual Murder. I shit you not. Jewish I haven't Ritual heard about Murder. this yet. So, I feel upset. So, um, uh, uh, this page I deeply suspect is uh, based in based on the syntax. Uh, it's in it's in English, but based on the syntax and stuff that they talk about, I'm I'm certain that it's like based in Eastern Europe, yes. maybe Russia. And the entire page is all about how. Us Jews, all three of us are Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. All how we are demonic cannibals hmm. who kill, who like kidnap Christian babies nope. to drink their blood mm. or to use their blood for our matzah or whatever. <laughs> no, seriously. Have they even tried matzah? There's no blood in it. <laughs> yeah, no. Par- apparently, the, we're not getting the good stuff. So, like, this is literally what they're. It's not hyperbolic. It's not. You know, it's like like Ugh, for real. That's disgusting. But the thing is, like. If you're an American, you're like, what the fuck? That's crazy. But the thing is, this has been used for uh, like centuries. To this is called the blood libel. The it has a specific term, blood libel. It means the lie that Jews are vampires who you, you steal. You don't. You're you're having a really shocked look on your face. It's not. I mean, it's like I'm just kind of just yeah. disappointed in yeah. humanity. Okay, so, even more than is, already so this was. is a real thing. So this is a yeah. real thing, and. Uh, so this has been used to justify pogroms and killings of Jews for forever. And they even have stuff on the page that say, like, Jews deserve to be pers- persecuted because of this, like, l- verbatim. Yeah. And, like, you know, po- pogroms are justified. Pogroms Ugh. are proof that Ugh. this happens. And they use story. And this is, like, not, like, an ancient thing. They're like, oh, like, five years ago, like, 20 kids disappeared in, in like, the city in Russia. And it must have been the Jews. Like, like stuff like that. Ugh. So, uh I have reported this page many times. Yep. Many people have reported this page as hate speech mm-hmm. many times. Mm-hmm. And we all get responses from Facebook that yeah. it's not hate speech. Wow. Yes. And even like a few years ago, the Anti-Defamation League, which regardless how you feel about them generally, yeah. they br- they were like, hey, yeah. <laughs> like this isn't cool. Yeah. And Facebook kept it. 
You yeah. know, like Facebook decided to keep it. Ugh. So uh, I have a, I made a little page. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop FB blood libel. <laughs> so stop Facebook blood libel. Uh-huh. Where we're like, hey, what the fuck, Facebook? So it's like if this isn't hate speech or then what is meanwhile there was like a rapper you know little b like in in the bay area who got banned from facebook for a week because he said white people love guns which is true yeah and it's like that is hate speech yeah but jews are blood drinking vampires we need to kill that's cool so it's just like this really bonkers thing but it shows uh you know and i've like i've you know i live in the bay area here as as we do and like obviously we we all know lots of people who work at different tech companies so i've just been like guys so like yeah. i'm like i'm like who has friends at facebook yeah. like someone like so yeah. pe- i know people so i've had mutual friends who are facebook employees who put in like the internal complaints being like hey what the heck this is this makes no sense so i think this really shows the way that like like they're being like facebook has not even thought about really how to protect us from this kind of stuff where it's like if they're even allowing something that's like this batshit and oh. that is a tro- an old russian trope yeah. then like think about if they're not prepared to to say like actually no this is bad then how are they going to protect us against anything else oh, there, i mean face i mean it's like there's a history of that there's a history of you know the the real names policy there's yeah. a history of just like you know white cis men christian yeah. men having them being protected while everyone else yeah, gets thrown this, under the but bus. But this is also like yeah. a very specific like Russian-based kind of thing yeah. where this is like they're helping yes. import very yes. like a very specific Russian type yes. of trolling yes. and anti-Semitism and it just like speaks to the way that they really need to figure out like beyond this they really need to figure out their policies in a way to better protect us all. Yes, you know? yes and it's like also connected yeah. to like a lot of other yeah. folks as well. Yeah, I got I, I want to jump in here and use it again as a just example of propaganda. You see, like, you're obviously very moved. Uh, you've been fighting it for a while. You look shocked, Roman. I'm, I'm I honestly... don't blame you. That's okay. I am completely unperturbed. And I have the same history, you know, like mm-hmm. my, my, my ancestors were wiped out in the uh, Holocaust and all this. I'm completely unperturbed by this whole thing. The reason why, I'll tell you in a second, but did you want to say something? Oh, I'm not shocked. It's more just disgust, and perhaps that doesn't convey. Like, I don't put anything past these But this is the part that's us experiencing this, is them engineering us Mm -hmm. into our feelings. And this is where we can restructure on Mm -hmm. a subliminal level to... um, uh, have sort of like a, a litmus paper mm-hmm. when we know that this is what they want us to experience. Yes. Uh, I don't know we. I, I'm talking for myself, yeah. right? So what happens to me, I see what they are doing. They are not doing it to me. I am defended. Mm-hmm. I have my protection against it because obviously it took many years and a special course and a lot of years of reading a lot of books about propaganda and psychology but this is so-called a child abuse model mm-hmm. applied to the ethnic ground yes mm-hmm. and the racial conflict it could be any other model the sexual harassment scandals we're talking about the same child abuse model a little girl being hurt actually freud wrote about it it triggers us on subliminal uh, level whether it's a jewish child or russian child or american child or chinese child we we are all as human beings most of all unless we're you know psychopaths yeah we experience an empathy yes yes and there's a physical reaction to that so child abuse model is at work here another model that has been used here is the scapegoating yes and yes. that's as, as old as the world the jews being uh the ethnic group mm-hmm. one of many ethnic groups mm-hmm. uh specified as a you know scapegoat that could apply to african-americans mm-hmm. you know the whole situation with the rape accusations mm-hmm. which goes all the way back into slavery yes. and into 50s there's nothing new about it when you recognize it whether it's a sexual scandal on Fox News, Mm -hmm. whether it's a ridiculous group on Facebook, whether it is uh, 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 the African American uh, um, uh, discrimination, right, where the black people are stopped by the police more often, and you recognize that model, you can 
already defend yourself on the emotional level and stay cool whether Facebook is there to protect you or not. You don't need some good cops, bad cops from yeah. corporation to uh, to put the shield on because right now it's in our hands. They are not going to come to protect us. In fact, Facebook um, uh, several years ago was um, having uh, as a number four, uh, like the fourth biggest shareholder was the uh, Alisher Usmanov, who is the richest uh, businessman oligarch in oh. Russia. Uh, and supposedly that uh, uh, he was not involved in panel decisions. There was some special deal going on. Uh, but this is a person who actually was incarcerated in the Soviet Union, which was practically impossible for years for rape and for, for child abuse. So, uh, uh, and who later bought on a special deal from Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the one force of Facebook promising they will not interfere. I mean, and probably it's all true. I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg. So, so Facebook, I, if you're listening, Facebook policy people, <laughs> yeah. prove Zarina wrong. I'm we not, have, uh, uh, yeah. No, no, uh, uh, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying we have, we certainly have some Facebook workers listening. Prove us wrong yeah. and it's fix your policies. Okay. Zarina <laughs> claims, to, you know, back to differ. <laughs> yes. Because I, I actually don't need that because I've seen a lot of proofs that it is wrong. I read articles, I did my research. I do a lot of research. Not all of it I put outside. I've seen the, the proofs. There, and there's, again, there's a visible layer, there's an invisible layer. Mm -hmm. The proof that I see that the group is there, even after somebody put the link to this website on Mark Zuckerberg's page on Yom Kippur, and the page didn't disappear. Ugh. You can tell me anything you want about Alisher Osmana for the shareholding arrangements, and I, I will believe you, but I see what I see, and I don't care. Because at this point, this is actually the way to kind of keep pluralism and keep mm -hmm. our sanity, because that brings us to an extremely important point, mm -hmm. which I really want to bring during the show. Yes. Uh, this is as important as demoralization as the main goal of combat propaganda and discord yes. planted into our society by the propagandists. And number three is the physiological um, mechanism of stress that they use. But probably we'll do it after break, right? Oh, yes, yes, thank you. Yes, I also wanted to... Um, Welcome, folks, listening to Mutiny Radio. This is a women's magazine the, from the 2 o'clock to 3 p.m. This is Roman uh, from Weekly Review, and we are carrying over to the 2 to 3 p.m. show. Thank you so much for listening. Joined here uh, by Sabrina and Olga. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we'll be back in a few minutes. So thank you for, for listening.
Yes. Okay, and welcome back to Women's Magazine. This is Roman. I'm joined here by Zarina Zabriski. I apologize for mispronouncing your name earlier. And Olga Tomchin, thank you so much for being here. And uh, this is a continuation of the weekly review from today, December 1st, 2017. So let's continue. Thank you, Roman, and thank you, Olga. We talked a lot about different aspects of our political life developments and specifically uh, the Kremlin propaganda machine at work here in the U.S. And we specifically talked about the main goal of combat Ospets propaganda, which is demoralization mm-hmm. of the population and army of the enemy, which in this case are us. Yeah. And um, number two is the main tool, uh, is the basically principle divide and conquer, which is an ancient principle, and planting discord and doing it in many different ways. And now um, I want to address the most important number three point of our discussion is the basic principle of propaganda, which takes us into physiology and psychology a bit, and which is really critical to understand. Um, So basically, the propagandists are working with our emotional patterns. Mm -hmm. The goal is to change our emotional patterns. Uh, They do it by usually psychological weapons and brainwashing techniques based on physiological factors. And this was not invented, mind you, by the Russians. Uh, Say the Nazis used it as well. Um, And this was applied all along in religious brainwashing Mm -hmm. as well. Actually, one of the best books written on the subject is written by a British uh, scientist. It's called The uh, Mind for the Battle. Oh, no, The Battle for the Mind or the... Yeah, and I actually have it with me, I believe, and I will give references, you know, on the podcast yes. to all the and links to all the resources that we mention. So basically, what happens, and that will bring us even to the Pavlovian dogs at some point. Um, the propagandist machine or team uh, create the atmosphere of danger and crisis through the continual flow of mass media fabrication or just some flow of information. Uh, And I will go over uh, the use of color, smell, taste, rhythm, sound, or basically addressing senses Mm -hmm. as it's done. Uh, But the goal of this flow of information is to instill fear and paranoia and very important word, confusion. Mm. The confusion is number one goal here. By falsifying and distorting historical reality of past and present. But sometimes it's not even just falsifying or distorting. It could be something true, something real that is happening next to us. And it actually works the best. But in the way it is done, it will always lead to changing our emotional and psychological patterns because what happens when we experience stress a part of our brain is going into a different mode kind of stalling if you will and in this state it's much easier to instill ideas or new patterns in our physiology, in our physiology, in our behavior, mm-hmm. at this point, our ability to think logically or critically and to respond adequately is at its lowest. So this has been done again during the religious brainwashing or political brainwashing for ages, and there's nothing new about it. So let it sip a little bit. Um, uh, and I'll give you a, a little like, illustration that involves dogs, so it's a little easier to kind of uh, imagine and think about it. Um, when um, Professor Pavlov was running his famous or infamous and very cruel, by the way, experiments yes. with the dogs yes. in St. Petersburg, again, all the roads lead huh. back to this I didn't know that. cradle of evil. Yeah, Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> we're like the, we're like my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. We're like. 
so-and-so invented by Russians. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> it is a sort of sad story. You know, I sometimes feel that way about St. Petersburg. But nevertheless, uh, in the 20s, when um, Professor Pavlov was allowed to stay through the revolution and, you know, under the Bolsheviks to perform his experiments in a big institute there, he had a lab full of dogs. And at some point in the 20s, there was a flood. Mm-hmm. The Neva River flooded, and the dogs were shocked. Most of them survived, oh. but they were saved the last moment because water really went up rapidly and dramatically, yes. and they were saved. And uh, right after the saving operation, um, the lab workers and Professor Pavlov found out that the dogs were way more impressionable And they could do the experiments in a completely different way, whatever experiments they were doing. So they took it from there, and they, they did more work with the dogs and found out that actually all dogs respond in different ways. There are uh-huh. stronger dogs and weaker dogs, but all of them will be easier to target or uh, train or teach after they experience shock. Uh-huh. Like it, whether it's fear or physical shock or just emotional stress. Um, obviously, whatever was done and performed on dogs under the communists was not a problem to try and do it on people. Mm-hmm. And the whole Stalinist system was one big experiment on people experiencing stress. Mm. And th- that basically led to the more advanced techniques that the Russian television these days under Putin is applying to its own population and that it's sipping in into our media flow. Not that the uh, Western uh, mass media never applied that too. They, they, they didn't have Pavlovian dogs or research, but uh, the way the advertising is structured or the PR is done, Uh, it is quite a sophisticated science as is, and they're using the colors and the sounds as well, addressing our senses in a certain manner to influence our decisions, and it's a known fact. Yes. So all of this is being applied and uh, used by the Russian propagandists as well. Does it make sense to you guys? There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's also just a lot to... A lot of information. So, yeah. Basically, TLDR, we are being played. Yeah, we we are being played like Pavlov's dogs. Yep. Well, and it's not, I mean, this is again, this is, it it is a shocking revelation when you're first learning about it. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you know, it's a known fact. If anybody watched Matrix movie, I mean, that, that. Watch, I'm sorry, what? Matrix. Matrix, Matrix, you know, Matrix. Yes. Or recently the Blade Runner, right? I haven't seen that, but yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I I didn't think it was a masterpiece of cinematography, but it's an interesting (laughs) concept because their memories are being engineered there in a similar way that we are talking about. Or in Matrix, Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about the same concepts when yes. the reality with the simulacra is a very important day important word in our day and age it's you know the one of the leading words in the whole postmodernist culture mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about with and but without going into the whole postmodernism because i will go on a tangent and i don't want to do it it's um This is why we're a good match because I'm I'm a lawyer and she's a writer and novelist. So yes. so we're, we're, we we provide different different perspectives. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And um, well, if if I can, I want to give you a couple of examples how the senses are used and what tools the propagandist will use to get the victims or the target into the state of stress. Yes. Um, so um, the color is number one, uh, m- m- not necessarily number one, but a very important tool for, uh-huh. for propaganda. And it's very concrete. Everything in the manual, the unclassified manual that I'm translating uh, in part, is extremely concrete. There's very little abstract notions there. It's all hands-on. Say purple, red, orange and yellow, speed up breathing and heart rates, and increase blood pressure. Yellow, black, and red colors carry strong emotional charge. Red and yellow color are associated with the voices of people in a positive mood. FYI, we are surrounded in extremely red Red, room. Red and black, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, on the other hand, 
say green and blue, and it's actually generally known, and violent colors have the opposite effect. It's okay. calming, relaxing. Uh-huh. And, um, but, however, the perception of colors depends on the, the nervous uh, system health, individual life experiences, and also the cultural and historical past of the ethnos. For example, in Asian cultures, white is associated with funerary colors, and in uh, the Western culture, it is a uh, bridal color and the yeah. and the color of innocence. So the, the propag- KKK. The, yeah, yes. and the pro- exactly, and the propagandists will apply them uh, accordingly. Yeah. So a- again, you see, propaganda doesn't take sides. In a way, it's not racist. It's not discriminatory. It doesn't care. It just takes everything statistically and uses whatever it can pick. On. Yeah. It's a very cold, um, creepy thing, if you win. Sure. You know that poem that I read at the Arts Resistance at, the, at Leadquake? Yes. yes. That was a poem about the, the, the brainwashing and propaganda, which mm-hmm. I would never in my life thought that I would write a poem of it. But I didn't write it. It just came, and it's a very... It was a vision. It's an octopus that... That like releases ink and poisons everything mm-hmm. around it, and it has many tentacles. And one tentacle has a hammer and a sickle, and another one has a swastika, and it has many eyes, and it rotates its many heads, like hybrid heads, as the tank heads. It is this cold, rational, unemotional creature weapon that is trying to poison our world and what can we do against it when it attacks our senses so uh-huh. uh, is to have a knowledge of what is going on yes. here and create our own emotional strengths and that actually it's a little jump here but I feel like it's getting to the point where it's very dramatic all the senses of overwhelmment and stress we need to bring in something positive yes. how do we confront all this yes, right yes the science well uh, there was a very productive good meeting um, of the European representatives and there are oh. good websites and there are good people and good experts there trying to solve that and I really like the point that I, I think either the French or the German expert brought that actually not directly debunking or putting up some concrete defenses like to match one on one, but to overall reinforce our values, mm-hmm. our ethics and overall our good standing and the positive emotional overall atmosphere overall built of the society is the one fundamental way to confront it and I can add to it as an artist that I strongly believe that the high art and specifically poetry and um, novels Uh can provide this great uh, counter propaganda yes. um, defense. Yes. Because what uh, propagandists do, as you can see, if you you know had patience and goodness to listen to this whole talk, there is this whole myth building, the narrative building yeah. that this cold machine is doing. They are constructing the reality in a matrix kind of way, mm-hmm. very coldly, very rationally. What can we do? On the rational level, on the emotional level, we can bring it through the poetry and through the art, like War and Peace or The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Kundera yeah. or Dostoevsky or, I mean, you name it, Shakespeare will do that. Poetry, great poetry, like I'm going all the way back to Blake that I was studying as they were trying to impose this propaganda yeah. on me. That what helped me then. The songs of innocence and experience, they keep coming back to my life. You know, we... They bring to us this experience that is unwanted. We confront it with our innocence, which is rooted in our spiritual life. And I don't mean religious, because I'm not a religious person. But at the higher level, as humans, we we have the ability yes. to experience things differently. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so whether you believe or whether you appreciate art is irrelevant here i do as an artist yes. but we just went to high school and uh, talked to a class of high school students and only one girl was interested in art oh. and i'm not being judgmental here yeah, yeah. that's okay i mean they didn't realize yeah. that i meant say movies or rap as yeah. art later it was changed a little bit yeah. but we we don't want to be judgmental if somebody yeah. is an engineer or works in silicon valley and was never interested in art i'm not judging it, sure. it, it, it is okay and you can bring it in through your values through yes. your love yeah. of animals or other people or whatever it is the high spiritual quality the human quality that you connect yeah to. Yeah, I was just thinking in terms of like artists and how undervalued artists are, especially in American society and how most folks I know who are, it's like so difficult to make a living as an artist. And so, and then also how like the when the funding's in schools, for instance, there's no funding in a lot of places for arts, for music, for theater, for dance. So I was just, that's what that made me think of. Exactly. And actually, the high school teacher who invited us, uh, Nicole Henares, who is also a writer mm -hmm. and I'm thinking she's a wonderful literature and language arts teacher. She wanted me to focus on propaganda languages, dehumanizing effort mm -hmm. and literature, not as humanizing. Mm. And I think that's crucial here. That's why we teach uh, languages and arts and literature yes. to bring in this fundamental level on which we can resist becoming the human forder mm -hmm. or the, the Pavlovian dogs. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think that that's key in any kind of resistance efforts and, you know, in anything. That's why in social movements, art is so important. You know, uh, I worked previously at the National Day Labor Organizing Network. Mm -hmm. I had been the deportation defense coordinator. And one of the things that we did was a concert series outside of immigration detention centers called Chant Down the Walls. Mm. So it was uh, specifically of, of creating that, like recognizing the humanity of the people who were locked inside by bringing, you know, bringing the concerts to them, you know, to, to really show the way that that by by creating beauty together we can we can resist the yes. uh, the the you know so i think it's it's important to do to have these kind of multidisciplinary you know the multidisciplinary resistance which involves you know it involves lawyers and writers and artists yes. and and exactly. all of us Diversity kind of, of kind of and like you know yeah. psychiatrists and therapists yes. and, yes. and you Healers. know all that to really yeah. the the way that he the you know i i think that one of one of the things that's really striking for me about all of this is the way that you know cynically and cruelly our ptsd and our trauma is manipulated and purposefully triggered yes, yes. and so you know healing work is part of resistance work you yes, know, yes like that we have to put the oxygen masks on ourselves in order to you know in order to build build the new world yes very important yeah I had a good quote here which uh, I, I did before and that's by Joseph Brodsky and um, he's a poet and Nobel Prize winner um, and for those who appreciate art that could be helpful but also for those who are not into poetry uh, just listen to what he says the root of the terror war totalitarian power is the vulgarity of the human nature, this intrinsic part that is there, and the only antidote to it is poetry, and I would add high art. Poetry is the conductor of the language, and the poet is channeling the collective ethical power and the eternal moral power in poems. And just let it seep in, uh, even if you're not into poetry, this is the language we're talking about, language used in the cold way for neurolinguistical programming. And I have examples that I'm going to uh, give during my presentation on Wednesday in San Rafael of um, how we were taught to construct the text to target you at the, neuroling at the neurological level uh, versus the ethical power that poem is bringing to you through the voices, through the collective voice of poets that reaches to you through through Shakespeare, through Brodsky, and um, 
Yeah, for me, that that's what works. But it doesn't mean that it has to work for you or for other people. There are many ways of of this complex reality that that we can address to to confront this very straightforward, very mechanical, although complex in its own way, machine. Yes. Oh, yeah, and I'm glad we got to a chance to talk about solutions and ways to, because it's, I feel like it can be really overwhelming to talk about what we're up against, mm-hmm. and then to find ways to combat that, and find ways that like every single person can can fight back against and th- that. And there are different ways, and again, we're going to be throughout the series, obviously it's a very large topic, and mm-hmm. we're not going to address everything in one presentation. Yes. We're going to be talking about it again and again, we're going to put together video uh, like I said but there are practical ways of addressing it uh, like thinking logically thinking critically questioning what you see detaching yourself emotionally yes uh, their advice that psychologists are giving is to meditate yes that's been that's been I've been doing that that's been very helpful yeah I really to, like headspace the meditation app I'm, I'm really bad okay. at, at meditating but just by myself and it's been a good way to to keep me having an actual daily practice mm-hmm. I feel like we all have our own way like when I st- it's very hard to study propaganda mm-hmm. to read the books on propaganda yeah. is incredibly hard and the books actually address it the book on propaganda will interfere with you in the level so on meta, the level that you know oh yeah, sure it's really matter so for me i've been studying them either on the stationary bike in our little <laughs> gym in the complex where yeah. i live or in the bath you know mm-hmm. i p- put on the music and the incense and i read this book that uh, uh, then it addresses me you, you know it influences me less yeah because this is the way I, again I, I like taking baths if you don't like taking baths it won't do it to you yeah. so everybody will find their own way of connecting to what makes them feel good and human yes. and humane and that's the way to to co- to counteract it and to push it. But of course, there are also logical and practical ways not to read or to listen to certain propaganda channels, yes. like RT, Russia Today, Sputnik, uh, Glo- Infowars, Global Wars, <laughs> oh, yeah, Fox Channel, which of course is picking yeah. up from that. Certain channels, certain accounts on and Twitter, also, and also the same way on the the left ones. You know, like there's so. There's there's so many like websites that are just like you know aggregates where they they take you know they take news from like real news websites that have actually reported it uh-huh. and then just like you know spin it and and bullshit it and you know even in our in our Soviet group we have I'm I'm like I'm always deleting like things that are from like just cl- like clearly there was no actual independent thought put into it and mm-hmm. it's very likely that the, there might be might be Kremlin Kremlin trolls somewhere involved so like you know really like reading primary sources as much as possible and you know just like don't read things just because they make you feel good and they're playing into into your beliefs yes. like really be critical thinking is key you know critical thinking is so hard you know it, it's easy to want to retreat yes. to like things that feel like cuddly yes. cocoons but critical thinking and like nuance is really important questioning questioning yes. and, and, and looking at the roots of it like yeah. why is it written who is writing that yes in what way is it written again we're not going to go into it today because i feel like it will be do, overdoing it yes but the the and the text analysis yeah. what words are being used if the the words that are being used their language is too inflammatory um and too offensive the chances are the text has been put together as a propagandist did prop uh, piece rather than just a piece of information. and yeah and like before you like share a meme or share share something like be like is the can I verify this yeah you know, like like if a story yeah. seems like a little a little like too on the nose you know just yeah. verify it sure. and verify it from from somewhere that like you know you you know you, you can like really trace it you know so I think that happens a lot where I have to delete things that are like on on in the group that are like okay this didn't actually happen he didn't actually say this oh it's hard now it's hard nowadays because yeah. so many of the things that Trump does say and tweet are so <sighs> so over the top yes. but I always like even still I always double check anytime I see a picture of a tweet of his I always 
please go on his Twitter and double check that it actually happened. You know, ju- like you just have to maintain like oh. I, I feel like one, one of the things that happens is that uh, that that I've seen is like a belief in the truth also kind of like fades away and the mm. concept of like some things being true, you know, yeah, like yeah. there are some things that are like verifi- verifiable fact, whether or not something happened, you know, yes. some, some things are non-debatable. Right. So right. I, like, I I'd really like, like that we are in this room together yes. is non-debatable. Yep, you know, it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, Zarina's here, non-debatable. We were born in the Soviet Union, non-debatable. Yes. You know, so it's I think that, that holding on to like insist like ha- at least having some insistence of like basic shit. Otherwise, people end up. I've seen these kind of debates and this kind of stuff where it's like there's no agreed on anything yeah. at all. You know. Yeah. Well, you see again, this is a lawyer versus a writer or a yeah. poet. Or like, yeah, yeah I, I like philosophy. I'm not a philosopher but I like philosophy I mean this I I I have a different take mm-hmm. on that because the whole objective reality to me is a questionable thing it's mm-hmm. my personal opinion sure you don't have to bind it Roman doesn't mm-hmm. have to bind it I can stick with it and like work on it in my own way mm-hmm. I don't need to put it somewhere on the web as mm-hmm. an undeniable truth and what you've mentioned actually we just didn't have time to go into that but it's another I- incredibly important goal for the propagandist machine is to destroy the whole idea of truth for the specifically for the Kremlin propagandist mm-hmm. machine is to um, present uh, the reality as um intrinsically um, uh, no let me rephrase it uh, to to deny the the truth as is just as they deny liberalism or democracy and mm-hmm. saying that the human nature is not conducive to freedom yes. or truth and the truth as is doesn't exist and that opens the door to this whole uh, one can take bribes one can be corrupt one yeah. can kill because there's no values and people who saying that it is there mm-hmm. they are just pretending yes. and that, we are not going so so I think uh, what one of the one of the key things that uh, in recent a discourse that I've seen uh, that's really, really uh, on point with that is the phrase uh, "virtue signaling." Oh yes, you know? yes. When when, yes. when, uh, when right wingers say like, "Oh, like, like he he's just virtue signaling," you know. So it's kind of like it's kind of this extremely, you know, extremely bizarre, you know, nihilistic, cynical kind of thing of like, you know, n- no one actually, like, you know, no one actually like wants to be a good person because like you you have a soul or like right, what, right. whatever like you know con- connection to other people you know anything like that it's this very like sociopathic kind of like the only way that the only reason that you would act in a way that is moral is because you want other people to like 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 give you social capital you know so it's, it, it's kind of like this kind of you know bizarre and it's very simple it's just the other way of demoralization yes. you see yes, just yes. use the more you know it just there's so many way that confusion discord demoralization i mean basically anything you take you can boil it down to that because again their model is pretty simplistic if you mm-hmm. understand it you see where they're coming from and where they're going and yeah. then you're immune to it yeah, or or at least like you're you're able you're able to at least protect yourself from something because you know obviously like you and i both get down sometimes you know yeah, like yeah. like we're, we're not super women the, yeah. the, we're, we're human beings in this world and it impacts us yeah. i think another I, I think something else that i would really recommend to to you and to listeners in general is you know because i've been doing trauma intensive social justice work for a good amount of time mm-hmm. you know i i think burnout is something that a lot of people are facing and oh a lot yes of activists yes so what i really recommend is there's this book um i, I don't do you know do you, well first of all do you know dean spade he yeah yeah so so, so Dean Spade, uh, he started the Sylvia Rivera Law Project. He's a, a trans law professor and philosopher, and uh, he's done a lot of work against prison violence. And back when, when I was a baby lawyer and really hitting burnout really hard yes. because all I was doing was uh, torture of trans women, immigrants, and immigration detention yeah. by, by ICE, yeah. I was really fucking heavy. Um, I was, like, having panic attacks every day, and Dean was like, you need to chill out. <laughs> take mm-hmm. take." 
take weekends off, like rest, and also read this book yes. called uh, Trauma Stewardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hmm. uh, you can get it like at most bookstores in the self helper psychology section, and it's also on you know online yes. Trauma Stewardship, uh, and. It, I forget the author's name, but but you can look it up. Yes. Uh, and it's all about like how trauma-intensive social justice work or like work of any sort and movement work, activism. You know, she talks a lot about environmentalism and like conservation work. How doing stuff where you're seeing a lot of destruction and trauma, the ways that 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 impacts you in extremely predictable ways. Yes. And there's like 17 warning signs of like trauma exposure. Yes. And you read it, and you're like. Oh, that's what's happening. And because this propaganda is really like, you know, purposefully triggering our trauma exposure over and over and over again, it's another really key way of protecting ourselves is being aware of like the warning signs. And that way, like you can spot your own red flags. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I start to have like uh, really uh, uh, bizarre guilt, you know, if I'm like having a nice lunch and I'm like, how can I be... How can I be enjoying this good, uh, you know, to be a millennial stereotype, avocado toast? While so many people are suffering. Exactly. But that's like a really, you know, that's not actually helpful to anyone. And then you have a shame spiral. And when you're in a shame spiral, you're, you're not helpful to anyone right, you know right. no one no, no one cares uh, no one is be- like for me as a lawyer no one wants a crying lawyer no one wants sure. their lawyer to be having a panic attack how right. is that useful you don't want that my clients don't want me to feel bad <laughs> like yeah. that's not i'm not i'm not gonna be good at my job if i'm like having a panic attack or having a nervous breakdown so um so i know for me when i start to get my red flags i'm like oh this is a sign i need to take the afternoon off or I need a massage or like acupuncture, whatever, whatever helps you. And then the second half of the book is like ways to, you know, ways to be okay, how to protect yourself. And it's so many of the things that Serena talked about, you know, it's so much of the like getting grounded and the human, like humanizing yourself and yes. being like, who am I? How am I connected to others? And so, you know, this is because we're really experiencing a collective trauma here, yes. you know, like yes. we're experiencing oh, yeah. a collective trauma and we're experiencing a collective triggering for those of us who are, yes. you know, have a lot of trauma. Trauma, yes. And that's how I've talked about like a lot of the sexual violence stuff. It really has felt for me like a collective, a collective, like, you know, re-triggering yes. of stuff. So it's, I think, taking a very purposeful trauma-centered, you know, psychology-centered approach yeah. to a lot of this will really help us as well. Like, th- this is the time to not be like, oh, I just need to be tougher. You know, like, no. like you just, you need to acknowledge your own humanity and not just, like, power through and, like, part of being human is being impacted by shit mm-hmm. and being impacted by dark and hard shit. So it's really about us, you know, uh, healing ourselves in, in order to heal the world together. Yeah. So is it uh, Laura Van Der yes. Noot? Okay, so yeah, uh, I see it here. Laura Van Der Noot Lipsky and Connie Burke are the authors of Trauma Stewardship. Yes, they have a website. Uh, if you just Google Trauma Stewardship, like a steward on a ship, you will mm-hmm. find it. Uh, and she also does trainings. I went to one of her trainings a couple years ago in Oakland, and it was really excellent. Oh, excellent. Oh, well, we are coming towards the end of the, the extended program. Um, as, uh, thank you so much, Zarina and Olga, for being here. Thank is, you, Roman. Yeah, is there anything in the last few minutes that you, you'd, uh, either of you like, would like to share or promote? Uh, yes. So uh, if you are interested in this subject, we just set up a little Facebook page uh, in order to you know keep people posted and post information and events. So it's uh, Russian Propaganda Workshop, if, or Workshops. So if you just... Type it onto Facebook, Russian Propaganda Workshops. You should see our page. Uh, we have um, some some really scary-looking Matryoshka dolls, like little mm. nesting dolls uh, with scary sharp teeth that look like they're going to eat you. Ooh. That's us. <laughs> uh, so Russian Propaganda Workshops to, to follow what's going on. And uh, if you are a Soviet immigrant uh, that is anti-Trump and or a child of a Soviet immigrant. We're mm-hmm. cool with people who have just one, one Soviet parent. Uh, find anti-Trump Soviet immigrants on Great. Facebook as well. We would love to have you. Uh, I think in general, uh, cultural healing is very important yes. and getting really grounded in, you know, a lot of us, our families have survived shit, you know, before. Like, the, this isn't brand new. So I think uh, really... Uh, Building based on our histories of survival and building that political analysis is very key and very important. Yes. Uh, and 
Yeah, thank you, Olga. Uh, I, I just want to address the wider public. I mean, we want to include everyone. Yes. If yes. you have yes. no connection to Soviet immigrants, to Russians, to Jewish people, to, it, it, really this class is designed for your average person living in America, whatever average is, nobody is really average, right. but whoever is currently living in America experiencing their uh, current situation. Or internationally, possibly, the Canadians. Uh, internationally, if it's relevant, exactly. Um, we, we will cover a lot of European regions uh, as they are attacked by uh, the Russian propagandas and cyber war as well. And um, uh, you don't need to identify as anybody in particular. You can be just your own person. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, again, because it's a very specific uh, topic, we have designed several formats. Uh, the class that we taught this morning at high school was um, done particularly for high school, and there was no mention of Trump uh, because we didn't want to do propaganda on them. We just wanted to explain the methods. Yes. Um, and there will be different formats, like I said. There will be videos. And if you want to bring us um, as a team uh, or as speakers to your town, we are currently looking at New York, oh, yes, Seattle, yes. LA, uh, and we are open to other possibilities. I, I want to um, emphasize here that our events are free and open for public. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I am of the opinion, and I might differ here again, uh, I, this is my uh, civic duty, and I don't want to be paid for it very I openly. have a tip jar, FYI. Yeah. <laughs> sure. uh, so see, we differ, yes. and yes. that's yes. okay. Uh, for me, it's a personal point, and also uh, because I know that the Russians will blame or will... Uh, uh, will make you look like you're affiliated with someone. I want to say that I'm not affiliated with anyone. I am an independent writer. Yes. I have five books. I'm only interested in literature. I'm doing it as my civic duty, just like I did covering uh, the um, clashes in Berkeley and yes, investigative yes. journalism. Meanwhile, yes. uh, I uh, did start my legal career with a Soros Justice Fellowship, so I have already been paid by George Soros. Yeah, That's already all over the <laughs> internet. <laughs> George Soros is the one who uh, funded my salary for doing uh, doing uh, the immigration detention project at Transgender Law. Center, so yeah. I already have conspiracy theories about me on the internet. Go ahead, and that, that <laughs> is fine. We, yeah. we come from different backgrounds, yeah. and, and this is what it is. And you can join us with any suggestions, uh, with any ideas, uh, whatever format you're interested. We, we, we did webinar already, we are looking at doing videos. Um, we will do the podcast. Yeah, just uh, uh, you can contact us through if you just search Russian propaganda workshops on Facebook. You can find the page and message us through there, and we're we're easy to find and to contact. And thank you for listening. Yes, Great. thank you so much for having us. This has been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much thank both you, for being Roman. here. Yeah, it's um, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the listeners out there listening to Mutiny Radio. Coming up next at. 3 p.m. is Common Thread Collective. If you're interested in having a show here at Mutiny Radio, check out mutinyradio.fm. We have plenty of slots available, so please do get in touch with us. We have shows here every day of the week. Uh, check us out. You can come here in person on the corner of 21st and Florida in the Mission. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week. So have a great week, everybody.
of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> if you're looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled.